Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We have an Italy versus Spain semifinal at the Euros. Another massive day of action on Saturday at the European Championships. And we have so much to talk about and the matter of England to preview as well. Let's get right into it. Insignia now skips away from Tielemans, still going, sees the chance, takes the chance, brilliant, brilliant from Insignia! Yet the first set of quarterfinals did not disappoint at the Euros with Italy edging Belgium and Spain once again needing a penalty shootout to get past the gallant Swiss. David Wiener with you once again to run through all of it. Joined by my old Gagapod sparring partners today, Michael Bridges and John Aloisi to do so. Gents, we're going to begin with Italy 2, Belgium 1. Bridgie, an outstanding game of football. It was magnificent, Dave. And do you know what it is? Two nations that you admire the way they play football. Uh, Martinez has Belgium number one in the world-ranked team for a reason. And Mancini, the results just keep coming for the Italians. And the football they played, I absolutely adored watching. And it was the tactical battle against each other. Who was going to get the possession? Who was going to take their opportunities? And I'm delighted that the Italians did because it was well-deserved in the end. And it came down to the defenders. In the defences of Bonucci and Chiellini came back in, Dave. Absolutely magnificent. And it was the vulnerability, yet again, of the Belgian defence. Well, if Bridgie was delighted, I don't know what we elevate that for you, John. But it was a terrific day out. And what was the difference for the Italians today? The difference was exactly what Bridgie said. Uh, look, I thought the Italians in the first half dominated the play. Yes, um, yeah, Donnarumma had to make a couple of saves, but uh, the way they were playing, the intensity they were playing it, the danger they had was getting caught on the counter-attack. De Bruyne picked it off a, a couple of times in the first half, and Lukaku had his uh, opportunity as well. And then in the second half, they started well. They started again on the front foot. They had their opportunities to go 3-1, but then uh, Belgium got back into the game, started to pin them back, and they had to defend and defend well, and they did. And you know the Italians can do that. So you, you saw two sides of their game today, that they can attack and they can also defend when they need to defend. And the goalkeeper, Donnarumma, my word, isn't he getting he's better with every game that he plays? What? How, how old is he? 22. And he's got 200 appearances under his belt already. Yeah, yeah. In Incredible. He, he started making yeah, a club for AC Milan. Yeah, for AC Milan, not for international. Yeah, 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 Come yeah, on, I know yeah. that. Yeah. No, but, just for the listeners. <laughs> but it was a, yeah, it was a great performance. And the, the thing is, and I've mentioned in the past, I mentioned at the beginning of the tournament, this is the most excited I've been about watching the Italian side. Because growing up, I watched the 82 World Cup winning side um, and they didn't play great football. They played on the counter-attack. Mm. They had good players. Also, when we played against that 2006 side, you know, they, they, they were lucky to get through the 
group stages and then, you know, even beating us that they had it, they were a bit fortunate. But uh, I have to say this side in every game, they've dominated. They play an attacking style of football. They they haven't got the big stars that everyone remembers, you know, your budgers and, and you know, the, the, the players that uh, everyone remembered as household names. This team haven't got household names. They've got a good squad of players that want to work for each other and for Mancini. So when you say they're the best Italian team you've seen, they're the Italian team that has you off your seat, enjoying your football, and they are succeeding in a very, dare I say, a non-Italian way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I grew up watching the Italians defend and defend well, but not exciting to watch. And they're frustrating at times to watch, but uh, they would get the results that they needed. But, the, you know, not qualifying for 2018, I think it, it, it hurt them, obviously, but it's made them play a different way. The COVID situation, when Italy went through an absolute disastrous period when there were so many people lost their lives, again, it just seems to be a country that when it is called upon to gather and come together, they seem to do it, and I've got to defend John. You've had a lot of criticism on social media saying this is the best Italian team. People have had a right good go because of your Maldinis, your Baggios. I think if they win it, I'm going to back you all the way, mate, because I have, it's the first Italian team that I've watched that I've enjoyed watching yeah. because they've been able to do it defensively, but the pressing game and the way yeah. Mancini has them playing, outstanding. Can I ask you guys about that? And, and the context, I think, to your comment is really important too, John, in that this is a team Mancini inherited when they were at the lowest ever FIFA World Rankings. And in that period, I mean, 2018 is not a long time ago, uh, you know, the papers were calling it the apocalypse, you know, the end. It was actually the beginning. He's handed 35 debuts out in that time. So the context is really important of what he's been able to create in such a and short time. The amount time. of records they're breaking, John. Yep. 32 games unbeaten, 15 wins in a row for Euro qualification mm. and now during the Euro. So and Five you know, straight in this tournament? Yeah, yeah. so so it's incredible. Remarkable. It's, it's, it's remarkable what they've been doing. And um, yes, they do have to win it to get classed as, you know, probably the best Italian team ever. But um, why I say it, because... I'm enjoying watching yep, them. If, if, if they get knocked out in, in the semi-final, yes, you'd be disappointed. But you go, you know what? At least they, they had a good tournament. At least they played the right way. That They're trying to play the football the right way. And uh, that's why I'm so excited about the Spanish I game. I think people have misinterpreted what you're actually trying to get across yep. because like, I'm the same as you. I've enjoyed them, and in the past, I never have. It's kind of been, oh, they've got through, they've scraped through. This is a team that score goals. So what I want to ask you about is something you said before, their pressing game. Because there's been a... A terrific variety watching the different way different teams approach things in this tournament. But they press with synergy, with rigour, almost like a team that trains day in day out like a club side. And when Belgium had a little bit of a chance to try rouse in this game, Italy went bang, if pressed them high. If you want to witness, watch the first goal from Barella. You'll see Verratti. I think you did a fantastic segment on the um, touchscreen, Amy yeah. touchscreen. And what you will see, you'll see Verratti play a ball in. Um, Immobile goes down inside the penalty area, claiming he was fouled and he's rolling around. Mm. The rest of the players react. And as they see Belgium get the ball, and I think it's Vertonghen trying to drive the ball uh, out. Yeah, Vertonghen dribbles past uh, Barella. And then as soon as Verratti recognises this, because Vertonghen's head's down. As soon as his head's down, he can't see what's around him so much. He can only see a red sock there. I'll play that ball into there, into De Bruyne. And, uh, and he Verratti, in front of yeah, De Bruyne to win it. He anticipates. It's, it's great forward defending. And that's what the Italians have done well this tournament. As soon as they lose the ball, regain it as soon as possible. So that pressing game has been magnificent. That's where that goal came from. Then they've got the transition moment when Insigne picks it up mm. and the drive at the heart of Belgium. They had five players back mm. defensively and they had Tillersman down as well. 
Insignia found a way. Nobody came to him. He found the top corner. That's exciting stuff. However, Dave, the last 10 minutes of the game, Italy showed that they can defend with numbers yeah. back behind the ball. Now, when you're ticking all them boxes, you're going to go a long what way. What about their celebrations when they defend too? They, they, they do it. get pumped up. Well, actually not that. It's more a bit of a little kiss on the cheek <laughs> for, for, the, for the Italians. I say the only downer on today's game is yes. Spinazzola. I've, I've snapped my Achilles tendon. I've had injuries in the past where it, they come back to haunt you. He's had a, he's had a very, very traumatic injury-ridden mm. career to this date. Mm. And he's been a standout player in this tournament yeah. for the Italians. And when we saw him go down, I thought it was a hamstring. I was hoping it was a hamstring. And John was saying, oh, I hope it's not his knee or his Achilles. That's, it's not a, it's not an easy road to recovery. Yeah, it's not. And he's, like you said, standout player along with Jorginho. I think mm. Jorginho makes this Italian side tick. Um, but Verratti stood up this this game here. Barella, we've finally seen Barella, yeah. you know, uh, come into the tournament because the first four games he was a little bit quiet. Um, but, you know, all round they were, they were good as a team. Mancini had the option to bring in Locatelli. What I love about this is that he knows... You talk about the blueprint that he has. Not only does he know the style, he knows how he wants to achieve it. And he resisted the temptation to bring Locatelli in. And Barella finally repaid the touch with the, uh, the faith with the opening goal. And then Insignia, a player who was so symbolic of them not qualifying in 2018 because he was left on the bench when they were chasing the game against Sweden. He comes on and shows how magnificent he is. Um, can you talk me through um, Mancini's selection, why he stuck with Barella, how he has resisted Locatelli so far and what that speaks to the the, the depth, the quality, the squad he has built up here with the Azzurri. I think that he trusts Barella because Barella is, uh, he plays big games all the time. He's playing at Inter Milan so they, they won the title and he had a, a great season for Inter Milan. He's one of the stars of the Italian side and so coming into the tournament you knew that he would probably be in the starting 11. Yes, Locatelli played well in the first couple of games but you know, come the big moments, you need your big players, and Barella's one of them. And I think that's why he's also stuck with Verratti, because Verratti, again, is one of their best players, and he knows, and he can see it in training, you know, who, who's in form, who's going to play themselves into form, and obviously those two players have. There was two players I saw in that lineup today that didn't play in the previous game. Chiellini, the captain, comes back in that mm-hmm. centre-half because they've got Lukaku, and it was just a great matchup. They They won the battle against mm-hmm. the big fella. Yeah. And then a man that you admire so much, John Kieser. Yeah, he was on the team sheet again. Another stand-up performer. Yeah, no, he did well. He had his uh, chances. He had a, a. What I like about Kieser, he's he's positive. He'll be the player, get a shot in. You know, he's always looking to, for that end product. It's not just you know getting on the ball and 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 you know keeping the ball in that final third. He makes something happen. But you're right about Chiellini and Bonucci. They were brilliant today mm-hmm. against Lukaku. They they kept Lukaku quiet, and he's hard to play against. But Chiellini was always. End- Anticipating because he knew that Bonucci would cover him, or vice versa. It was it was good to see that the way they defended against it him. was terrific to watch. Just one question before we move on to Belgium. Just going back to how how well oiled this Italian team is, how automatic everything looks. How hard is that to achieve with a national team to make them look so so fluent? You know, you look at England for example, where Southgate's almost simplified the game plan with all the stars. Whereas Mancini's team looked like they they've been playing together. Day in, day out for three years. Can you guys talk to the to the explain to the audience just how impressive that aspect of their play is? Well, well, it's hard enough to get one moment of the game over to a team and tell them, oh, we're going to press like this to actually get it in a defensive unit as well to get your numbers back behind the ball. Press when they want to press, be able to counter attack. But you can almost see Spinazzola goes high and wide. Insignia moves inside. The understanding for each player in each specific position with and without the ball. 
that takes a lot of time and effort and a lot of work on the field, off the field, educating your players, and they've just got it down pat, John. The, the thing is, though, that they've he simplified it for him. The, the movement's the same. He's he's got you know Jorginho picking up the ball in between there. Occasionally, Verratti might pull out into that fullback position when Spinazzola goes high, and Insigne comes inside. That rotation's there. On the other side, you've got Chiesa that mainly stays high and wide, giving the ball one on one, and he goes at you. And you've got Immobile that with his back to play is not as strong, but his forward runs will stretch the defence. So it, it, it and Barella plays in that pocket where. You know, on that right side, so it, it doesn't change anything. So whoever yeah. plays in this side, they, they, it's the same system. So he simplifies so it. So we're it. analysing the game. We know how they play. We know the blueprint of the Italians, as does every other team in that tournament. By the Try way, Try stopping them. You know what's happening. Oh, Spinazzola is going to push high, and Insigne is going to go in. Right. Well, you mark Spinazzola, and then I'll go inside with it. Oh yeah, good one. Because yeah. nobody has worked it out or been able to stop it. Well, they did have a tough one last game against Austria. That that was their, their tough one that to, to get through. They needed to get through that one. They did. They made this one look far easier. Yeah, than that the, game. Mm, I just thought the ball speed was a lot quicker there today. Like if you watch the first game, and we'll talk about it in the second Spain, it looked a lot slower, a lot yeah. heavier. I don't know if it was the heat or, or what it was. Where in this game here, the intensity was high from the start. And and the thing is about the Italians because they're positioned the way they're position they're able to win the ball back quickly yeah. because they've always got numbers around the ball do you know what i love today sitting in the studio with you we just kept going oh whoa oh yes and it was just all the little intricate passing how quick the ball movement was how skillful they were it was just a joy to see his face shine and but i was getting sucked in by it as well and it was because it's a joy to watch do you do that again yeah, whoa, wow, <laughs> yes. I've got to put that on the machine here and get that as one of our, one of our little layouts. Um, Belgium. Now, you mentioned today just now that the game was of, a, of an elite level. It was a high-intensity game. But I think this Belgian generation, I think this Belgian cohort, I think Belgian fans, I think they're going to have regrets. Yes, they definitely have regrets because this is and was their golden generation. So they, they wouldn't be happy getting knocked out in the quarterfinals. For them... They wanted to win it. They believed they could win it, especially after getting to the semi-final of the, the World Cup in 2018. And, you know, when you've got the likes of De Bruyne and you've got the likes of Lukaku and, you know, Tielemans and you've got uh, Witzel uh, in the Witzel midfield. Came back. I, the only thing that we actually said before the tournament, that their defence could let them down. And and you notice today that those half little mistakes cost them. You know, you, you, Vertonghen giving away the ball, Adlerwil not closing down when the yeah Insignia had that shot. You know, the, those little errors cost them. Whereas you know they're the, small one percenters, John, yeah. but they're huge when you analyse that. You went back to the footage and yeah. showed that Insignia how the defender should have come out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so regret. so that that I, I that'll be very disappointed because that side there, number one in the world good enough to win the competition, and they fail again. Were they good enough in this tournament? We, did we, we, no. we no, didn't no, see no, them at their no, best. No, no. I, I thought today was probably their be- best performance of the comp, you know. I looked at them last game, that they, 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 oh, it, was, it, was, it was slow. Ponderous. Yeah, I, I, and I watched them against Finland. They were slow. All right, they were really qualified. Then you saw them against um, Denmark. They had a good spill in the second half. How do you remember these games, mate? I'm lost two days ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, that nah. was super impressive. Yeah, 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 the listeners yeah. are going, whoa, he's, so, he's top man. <laughs> so Denmark should have beat them. 
Yeah. Over the 90 minutes, the first half, Denmark dominated. and So they didn't really perform at all this tournament. Uh, Hazard's been a big loss because Hazard is not at his best like he was uh, three, four years ago. If, if they had that Hazard, then they might have been a different side. De Bruyne uh, obviously was a little bit underdone, was still incredible in passages, but you feel like for a side that is a golden generation in inverted commas, they were still very, very reliant on him, weren't they? They certainly were, and it, it's very disappointing because it's a team, like I say, I do admire, but watching this Euros, they didn't deserve to go any further. When you compare that game today, John just said Belgium were at their best in this tournament so far, and Italy just showed them up in all areas because they, don't get us wrong, they had their chances in the counter-attack. The penalty decision that they got just before oh, yep. half-time was yep. a huge turning point in the game. Italy are two up going into half-time. There was a, a penalty. Uh, De Lorenzo, was it? Yeah. Brought him down? Yeah. On Jeremy Doku. On Jeremy Doku, yeah. And for me, I mean, we argued in the studio, myself, you and Heather, John. Obviously, John had his Italian hat on because it was a, no. I was given a penalty. Yeah, or or blindfolds. I'm very neutral. And I go with Geiske Mendieta, who played at World Cups, Euros, um, how many caps he's had. And he said no penalty. He felt sorry for you because myself, Heather... Dave and, Wiener. And Swartzy said that was l- l- even less of a penalty than the Italians won against oh, Australia Swartzy in 2006. So when we're talking about uh, penalties, I look, I can see why the referee gave it, but I think it's soft. But it gave them a lifeline before halftime. It did. Now, Doku is a good example. That I, I'm not happy about Heather saying I never defended in my life. <laughs> Did she ever watch me play? Don't that you? was one of my strong points. I mean, I've got some footage. <laughs> when you played for Coventry, you did not defend. Can we throw the story in now about when you when uh, you played for Osasuna and you had to go to Camp Nou and play Barcelona? Oh, yeah, you yeah, defended. Yeah, I defended. I had to man Mark Koku. <laughs> Didn't touch the ball that game. <laughs> it was the worst game of my life. We've got the evidence there to prove it. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Doku is a really uh, nice example to, to conclude this because he was a surprise starter and actually was a weapon, was really impressive. He certainly was, Dave, with the ball. However, I did question his defensive duties in that first half. He looked a little bit lost. And it was Di Lorenzo on that right-hand side that was able to get out because he was pressing at the wrong moments. And a couple of times his teammates were going, you've got to get back. You can't, you can't press the centre-half. I think he lost his way. And then as the game got on and, you know, he gained confidence because when he got the ball and he saw his eyes light up, he's got a one-on-one situation. He kept driving at the heart of the defence. A very good player, but I think defensively that was a massive, that was a key yeah. area where they, they got undone today. But tactically, he's 19. Yeah, yeah. He's 19 yeah. and the future is bright for him. And this fabulous football nation, uh, unstoppable. Well, and he was for, you know, that, that's what induced the penalty, yeah, right? Yeah, that, and, and, you know, he got past him. So that, that's why, you know, Di Lorenzo had to, like, nudge him a little bit because he, he got past him. And then in the second half, he was the one that caused the danger. Mm. He, you know, had a good shot that just went over the bar, but it was the way he went at players, quick. And he kept Carrasco out. The, the starting mm. eleven. I was a little bit disappointed with the changes. I thought he left it a little bit 
bit too late, maybe with, uh, you know, dropping De Bruyne back a little bit more and putting, you know, Mertens in a bit more an attacking player. But look, it's easy to criticise, you know, when they lose, you know, Roberto Martinez because, he, look, he's done a fantastic job with the Belgian national team, but he will get criticised back in Belgium. I'll tell you who will get criticised as well, Lukaku, because second half there was a golden opportunity that the ball came across the line. <sighs> Can't believe he should have one. smashed it with his right foot, the tournament that he has had. And guess whose backside it came off? Spinazzola. Defending. Yeah, he scored 24 goals in his last 23 internationals, something crazy like that for Belgium. But I bring up Doku because this fabulous football nation clearly has a production line, clearly has got a bright future. But was this their t- trophy window? Is that done? I know the World Cup's only next year, but Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Vermaelen are not going to get any younger. I've got a, a good question, Dave, but I'm going to just take it another step further for John. Does Martinez stay around for the World Cup? Make it a double-barrel question. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, he'll get criticised heavily back in Belgium because this, is, this was their time to win something or go close to winning it and to get knocked out in the quarterfinals, they won't be too happy. So that, that's you know, a decision, obviously, the Belgium FA have to make. Be, it's going to be interesting this year. It, it will be interesting. Look, I, I think we're quick to, to you know, say, oh, they're never going to win something or, or whatever else because the Italians didn't qualify only three years ago for a World Cup and now they're on the verge of maybe making a final. But, uh, you know, Belgium's still got quality coming through, but uh, not many defenders coming through like at the level that they, these defenders were. Vermaelen, you know, at the top of his game was at Barcelona. You know, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, they, you know, they play at a good level. I don't see that level yet coming through. Interesting. I think they're both fair, fair questions to ask and not so much that Belgium going to fall off, but they, are, they had such an elite squad that this two, three year period was one where they were penciled in to go really, really deep. And you'd like to think if you're world number one, you would like to have a trophy of what actually wins something. This is where I don't get the world rankings. It does my head. No, in. yeah, but they've only lost one in the last 20 odd games. So this was, this was, you know, they don't lose. Yeah. They don't lose no. much. So, you know, again, I know what you're saying about the world ranking, but the world rankings just offer games and points and, and whatever else. Do you know what I think it is? It's like if Italy went out today, you'd have gone, geez, you know, this the future's bright for them. They played some brilliant football. They took us on a ride. Belgium go out and you go, what, what did they do this tournament? Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. where the regret comes yeah, in, is yeah, that it gets right. clear to the potential. Yeah. So Italy, of course, will go on and play Spain after they edged Switzerland in a penalty shootout. They've done it. They've done it the hard way, the Spaniards, in the last two games. And my goodness, Switzerland have been absolutely difficult to beat. A one-all draw at the end of extra time. Then we go on to penalties. Unai Simon was the hero here, guys. But we'll come to you, John, first as the, uh, the lover of Spanish football. They did it the hard way today. They did. Give credit to Switzerland. They defended well. They changed up their system. They they went four three three. They matched Spain up in midfield and made it really hard for man Spain. Man on to, man, man on man. Yeah. yeah, made it hard for Spain to get any decent like space. And uh, and Spain struggled a bit. You know, the, the red card did make a bit of a difference. Uh, and then you know Spain then dominated, and you expected them to to you know go through. I thought the red card was soft though. Mm. It was a soft red, and you know I think Spain got lucky that they got given the red. But then after that um, you know that's the luck you need sometimes you know that that belief to go all right we're doing it the hard way and uh, you know we we won on penalties but now we've got Italy that that style of football might suit Spain because the luck of the own goal as well yeah Alaba's shot early doors yeah yeah no that's right so it was um, it was a difficult game for him they probably weren't at their best they definitely weren't at their best and I think he's going to need to make some changes to the starting 11 to freshen them up because that's 220 minute games 
they have to travel now from St. Petersburg to London. It's not that close. Have, but have Italy had extra time as yet? Yes. Austria. That was last the three, game. Yes, last game, but they're not in this game. Yeah. That, that makes mm. a huge difference. So you mentioned the man-on-man thing. So what was it that Switzerland did where Freuler, who got the red card, he was really big within, in Granit Xhaka's absence. Remember they took them to the death here without Granit Xhaka mm. and Bruel Mbolo went off, I think, 22, 23 minutes off with an injury as well. They're two of their absolute key players. So what was it that the Swiss did that adjusted that Spain at that point were on a they were on a romp. They were on a juggernaut and Switzerland brought them back into the game. Well, the, the three in midfield was Busquets, Pedri and... Koke. Koke, yeah. And it was just fantastic. They basically just said, we are going to go and man mark you. And sometimes you saw, I call it front screening. So what you're actually doing, the player that's got the ball might be the centre half of the Spaniards and you go and front screen the defensive. So you go and actually mark in front of Pedri and you're trying to block the passing lane into him. And that's when Spain had to work so hard to lose their markers and have the rotation. And the times that it came came from was when Shakiri actually went and pressed one of the centre-halves. Busquets was able to get on the ball and face forward. But the, Switzerland did it so, so well. And they really, really nullified anything centrally for Spain with their back four and their midfield three. And there was just a lot of crosses going into Switzerland's area. And Maratta didn't win a header. And they, obviously he came off. And I just think they, tactically they got it spot on. They proved... Pretty damn hard to beat. Just a final word on Switzerland. Obviously knocked the world champions out. Pushed Spain all the way to the end here. That's what I've loved about the Euros is if you ever look at it, I think we've had one bad tournament, one bad game in the entire tournament. Probably, I think it was Sweden versus Slovakia. Yeah. Every side that is the supposed underdog has set up in a way that has pushed, if it's a, a favourite, have pushed them all the way. And Switzerland did it once again here. Yeah, you have to say great tournament. This is the first time they've reached the quarters in uh, in the Euros. So they, they will go back as, uh, you know, a positive, definitely. And the way they played and the way they came back against France, they pushed Spain all the way this morning. Um, they'll feel that they're unlucky, but good tournament. And I'm sure Petkovic will go away feeling happy that we can even maybe even go one step further in the World Cup next year. Dave, I've got one for you. Mm. You've talked about the quality of the games. Think of all the players that have played for the last year and a half behind closed doors with mm. no fans. And then you come to a tournament and you've got Hungary playing in front of a full house. That inspired them, no doubt. I think the fans have made a massive impact on this tournament and the players have just absolutely absorbed it. It's probably given them another lease of life, right? Because it's been such a harrowing 18 months that really if this tournament fell off the edge and it was actually quite a tired tournament a cautious tournament you could probably have understood it but in the end we've actually had really thrill a minute for what's most been of the, the time. game of the tournament Bridgie because oh. there's been so many good games like everyone uh, England have played in yeah. <laughs> well they've been boring I've <laughs> <laughs> been trying to I wake up I still that. think Spain-Croatia yeah Spain-Croatia was an excellent game yeah. but then you know Portugal-Germany was a, it was a great game nah. Spain-Croatia for but, me but I, I'm predicting and, it, and it's a big you know, prediction, Spain-Italy semi-final could be or become the game of the tournament because both teams love to attack. Well, let's talk about Spain today actually in light of moving forward because you mentioned changes. Um, what is it for Spain that when they put 10 past two opponents in two games, you think they've solved their problems and then they go back here today and they're back to, you just think they could play for hours and they're not going to score. What 
is that and what do they have to fix to get ready for Italy? No, t- today they didn't create enough chances. And I think that's... That's, uh, cool. that's respect to Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. Sweden, they couldn't score. They yeah, created lots of yeah. chances, but today they got nullified. Yeah, they, they, they struggled to create chances today. And you have to say Switzerland stopped them from playing. Um, and But the thing is the Spanish didn't really concede that many chances. The goal that they gave away was a mistake, you know, bouncing off the Torres and Laporte, and then they end up getting that opportunity and they put it away. But... Um, in you know saying that so they deserve to win the game but you know they didn't create enough i think you're right about the next match but i feel that italy have more dynamics and more different ways to play than spain do oh yeah i think spain 100%. are one dimensional yeah. john and if you nullify that i think italy can turn it up in so many different well, ways the, the thing is with spain and luis enrique he's got uh, only and i say only he only wants to play one way and he wants to dominate possession of the ball. He wants to play on, you know, on the front foot. He wants to play an attacking style of football. And Italy can play both ways. Yeah. Italy can change it up during a game. Spain can't. Even when Spain are in the lead, they, they can't sit off because they haven't got those sort of players to sit off. Well, they looked vulnerable against Croatia when they started throwing the kitchen sink at them and they got taken to extra time. Uh, the Athletics' Dermot Corrigan has sent through some thoughts. We spoke to him a bit earlier on today. And he rose, raised... A very interesting talking point about the frailties of America Laporte and Paul Torres in the absence of Sergio Ramos. Yeah, the defense has been has been pretty bad. Um, it is kind of a defense that's been kind of patched together. Sergio Ramos was the defensive leader of the team for so long, and then he didn't make it for the tournament. Laporte came in at the last minute, um, transfer in from from France to, to become the defensive leader. Playing alongside Pau Torres, who's had a very up and down tournament. They're both left footers as well. They don't seem to fit together that that well. Um, but Luis Enrique's idea is to keep the ball away from the defence as much as possible, so that they they're not leaned on. That they, they don't have to do too much really defending in games. That's what he hopes. Maybe in the semis they're going to have to do more defending and um, might be more difficult for them. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to see a team winning a, a European tournament with the defence that Spain have, but it's difficult to see Spain getting as far as they have in the tournament with, with the team that they have. So so who knows really at this stage. So gents, that's one that will continue to linger? Yeah, uh, look, I think that, uh, and you very rarely see it, two left-footed centre-backs playing together. And that, and that can be a little bit awkward at times because, you know, it, it's not only in the build-up, it's also when you're defending because you're defending a little bit unnatural when you're on the opposite side. So that's something that he might have a look at. Um, he probably hasn't got total trust yet in Eric Garcia. He, he obviously likes him as a player because that's why he selected him. And uh, and Paul Torres has had an outstanding season. But, you know, that is a bit of a frailty for him. At the back, they have conceded a few too many goals and too many chances. And uh, whereas the Italians, you know, they they don't concede that much. Who wins that game for you? Because you're you're torn here. You're you're like literally split. You've had so many great years in Spain, and then you've got I, your, your I, heritage. I, I still think the Italians will have too much. I yeah. think all round they they're a, a side like you said that can you know change it up if they have to. Um, the, I think Spain playing with that high line. The, and and it, if they've got pressure on the ball, the Italians won't be able to get in behind. But if they haven't got pressure on the ball, the Italians will find that space in behind. I knew I'd get that out of him somehow. <laughs> Normally, I thought he would have gone. I'll sit in the fence here, extra time and penalties, Bridget, and then it's anybody's game. But I agree with you, Italy. Yeah, truly, what a cracking game. What a midfield battle. Unbelievable. Final word on this game, Unai Simon was the hero after what he went through in the previous game with that calamitous error. They made some amazing saves to keep them in against Croatia wasn't the greatest penalties he's ever had to save today. 
Yeah, but he is the he is the hero. Yeah, but you have to keep because well, what he did well because if you saw the run ups of the Swiss players, all those slow run ups. So if they went early, if he went early, they would have gone the opposite side. He waited till they played it, and then he got across. Very good penalty saves. He's been other than the mistake that he made. He's been so outstanding. He's been outstanding. Do you know yeah. the courage he showed in that game after his oh, mistake yeah. to yeah. keep playing football yeah. and keep using his feet and his distribution was just. 9 out of 10 because you can't say it was 10 out of 10 because of that mistake and then the, the saves that he's had to make he, he got so focused and I'll put that down there was two things that happened I saw Aspilicueta yeah. go up to him straight away and go come on that's one mistake get it out of your mm. system that's huge that plays a massive part in team camaraderie and also I have to say Sommer was good again goalkeeper for Switzerland that, um, yeah. you know I, I think the goalkeepers and you like this Dave they've been outstanding in this tournament and most of them not all of them there have been a couple of comical mistakes but by gen- generally the, the standard has been great Jan Sommer probably has to be knocked off the perch perhaps as Keeper of the tournament, he's been really, really good. Um, and s- thing about that, Simon save is in extra time that, that kept him in the game. And Pickford, Pickford's been great as well. So we'll see how he goes tomorrow against Yamalenko. That um, he's he's always a dangerous player with his left foot. Well, oh, I'm nervous. Well, that <laughs> Brett that seg- segues us beautifully. So just to conclude, that Italy against Spain, put it in your diary. Set the alarm Wednesday, 5 a.m. kickoff Australian Eastern Standard Time, 4:30 a.m. The pregame coverage will begin. England against Ukraine, gents, in Rome, away from Wembley for the first time. We spoke about it at the end of the round of 16, that the biggest impediment to England here is complacency, perhaps. Is that still how you feel, Bridgie? It's too, you've got to be careful not to look too far ahead? Of course it is. That's always at the back of anybody's, you know, especially the, the pundits and with the media. Yeah, you're looking at it, and I'm hoping that Southgate has just gone in. He'll get the players on it get their mindset right, get them motivated for this one. And they've got to go in with the right attitude. And I, I don't want to get above my station here and fall and have humble pie. I think England can get a, get a very, very good heavy result here. Oh, that's a big call, a Bridgie. Big, big call. Uh, it's a quarterfinal, so anything I can happen. Th- I but think I, they're going to Look, I, I think that uh, England definitely are favourites. You know, Ukraine got a little bit lucky in the last game. Um, and... and I would have rather Ukraine than Sweden. Sweden would have scared me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the Ukraine, look, they're their biggest outlet, you know, Yaramchuk and uh, Yamalenko, they're, they're the ones that can cause England problems because you you think they'll sit off and wait to catch England on the counter-attack. But England, you know, they, they, they've done well so far. Defensively, they've been very solid. Going forward, they haven't been so fluid. So I'd like to see a Grealish start because once Grealish came on, and and yeah, he was a master stroke, he brought him on or whatever. But, you know, if he does it from the start, like we saw against the Czechs in the first half, that combination with Kane and Shaw on that left side, they actually, it looks fluid. Yeah. And I'll tell you another one that's come out. I was, I was really disappointed we haven't seen Sancho so far. He's had this transfer saga going on with Dortmund, Manchester United. That's been... That might, that might be the reason why that... I uh, think that's what yeah. it is in-house. He's had a lot of deal with you. You yeah. know what that's meant yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. He's signed the contract now. I, I think it might just unleash him towards the end okay. of the game. And oh. So Southgate's been possibly holding him back? I would say so. I think there's been a lot of dramas going on there because of the transfer saga that's been going on. Right. And and you know what? He'll be able to see that in training. If, yeah. if he does feel that, you know, because uh, of course Sancho's never going to come out and go, by the way, I'm mentally frazzled because I'm hoping this is going to get over the line. It hasn't got over the line yet. Maybe I might be having to stay another year in Dortmund. I want to be at Man United. Think of the transfers you've had in the past, yeah. how many phone calls you've oh, had yeah. to be on to. Yeah. The manager of your club, the manager that was trying to get you there, the scout, you've got to talk to your agent, you've got to talk to your family. It's non-stop and it can be very, very draining. 
what's a coup for Manchester United when that goes when he turns up to pre-season or whenever that is at the end of the tournament. But do you make changes to this game, Southgate? There's a lot of talk in the press about going back to the four-three-three. I think it will go back to yeah. the four-three-three. I think so. Yeah, yeah. get Mason Mount. But you said Grealish. Is it Grealish or Mason Mount? Is uh, it both? Um, Foden's back in contention. Yeah. Who no, cares? No, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I would like to see Grealish in. I don't think he has to make too many changes. Of course, he needs to drop a a defender at the back, you know, and does he go with Walker then uh, as right back and then Shaw at left back? But um, I, I think that he'll go back to a four and 3-3. And three, three. I still think he'll keep with Declan Rice and Phillips in the midfield. Agree. And uh, and then he probably bring in Mount and then Grealish, I would like to see on the left and then up front Kane and Sterling uh, on the right. So that way there, I, I actually think at the moment, that's probably their strongest eleven. You care, Bridget. You're sweating on it. We're going to keep talking about it. You care. Um, a bit of talk that Rice and Phillips are both on yellow cards. That might be oh, the yeah. slight catalyst for Jordan Henderson getting a, a start and, and to run him out with his experience on this occasion. So we're not, I'm not going to go to tips because I can tell by what you've spoken about who you're tipping for both these games. But who will they play? Will it be the fairy tale of Denmark or the machine of the Czech Republic? Oh... Having seen the Czech Republic in the group stages, I admire what they're all about. They're defending numbers. They get numbers inside the box in the attack, and they're a very high, very tall team. They're very strong, and they've got a game plan. As soon as they get the ball out wide, they whip everything into the area, and they try and get on the end of it. And they've got a key man in Schicht, who's been absolutely outstanding in this tournament. However, Denmark, what they've been through, the fairy tale that is this... the. Obviously, um, they galvanised after Christian Eriksen was thankfully um, in a stable condition and, and back well. They just seem to have been outstanding in that department. I like the style of play. And the only downside to that is Kier, the captain, going to be fit. Delaney down the middle. And there was one more, I believe. Poulsen. Poulsen. Yeah, they're saying that Poulsen will be back. Uh, Kier will be back. Uh, or back. He'll be able to play. Uh, Delaney's the only one that they're probably unsure about still. If Kier's back, I see Denmark getting yeah. through this. Yeah, look, I, I think it's going to be a top game. The the, the Czechs have actually uh, surprised me. I didn't think they would be as strong. I saw them play a friendly game against Italy before the mm. tournament. They lost 4-0. Um, but in, in this tournament so far, like when they have to press, especially at the start, they press high and they, they, they make it hard for the opposition to play. And you're right, when they do get the balls into the box, they got runners in there. they got always four bodies getting into the box and they're big boys so you know and, and that's hard to defend against if they don't win the first ball then they usually won't win the second ball because they're well positioned so they're a side that are, are difficult to play against and uh, but Denmark I love watching them play as well they're, they're one of the, my favourite teams along with you know the Italians the Spanish and you know the, the ones that the way they play their football they're exciting to watch they attack and then you know without really any big stars in there and uh, so you know I hope that uh, Denmark go through because of the the fairy tale from the start and I want Denmark to go through because I want to sit next to Tommy Sorensen in that studio with his Denmark Danish shirt on I'll have my England shirt on and we will just go at it brilliant that'll be brilliant and you know what your, your Dolbergs your Damsgaards even Hoiberg someone who you don't associate with being so attacking really stepped up in Ericsson's absence so this is going to be a top 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 game 2am uh, tomorrow morning of course before the England game against Ukraine gents thanks for hanging around thanks for staying awake Hope you do so. Get some rest for the rest of the day and you as well out there, listeners. Do you know, uh, this is the part of the day where we start to feel a little bit tired. We've been up all night. The gig and pod, we get lively. And then we have a little bit of a spell now, Dave. So me and John back in hotel quarantine with Tommy and, and Luke and Heather. We'll be going back. And I've actually got the backgammon board down, John. 
I've got the Monopoly board and the Scrabble board. Oh, so Scrabble. I've gone out and spent a bit of money so we can have some stim- brain-stimulating work and we can still have our competitions going on in the hotel. Would this be worth, like, if there was a Big Brother camera on this, would this be entertaining or would we be oh, putting, sure put to sleep during the day? Or be Scrabble. <laughs> not Scrabble. The, big, the, 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 the pundit's yeah. Big Brother house. Well, what's, what's that what like? will be the backgammon and the Monopoly because I hate losing. <laughs> Look, I'm going to go back and sleep for a little bit, so I'm nice and alive for that. Or I might be analysing the game, Bridgie, to, to see if uh, there's any weaknesses in the England side. So when Italy play them in the final, that they can actually um, break through that English defence. It's coming home, John. That's <laughs> Tell you all what, I'm saying. If we get that final, we are in for an absolute treat. Gents, thank you. Everyone out there, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gang of Pod. Thanks for listening throughout the tournament. Hope you're having a great weekend. And until Sunday's edition, as ever, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.